Welcome to the eighth episode of VSML 2019 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me as always is the Canadian who we know is always ready for business when he's wearing sports clothes, Logan Saunders. Good morning. Good morning, Brisbane. <laughs> yes, I am in Brisbane, was in Sydney the past few days, met up with fellow co-host Michelle Pierce Donovan without her family, and... She took you to a suicide hotspot. Yes, a suicide hotspot and a place called The Heads right afterwards. And the funniest part about hanging out with uh, Michelle that day, which would have been just three days ago, um, is that we parked in this one spot to check out the suicide place. And then we were only gone for like 10 or 15 minutes, and it was a place that we weren't supposed to park. And then she's like, oh, there's no bylaw officers around, so we can just quickly check it out. So we get back. Couldn't have been more than 10, 15 minutes tops. And as we get back to her car, there's a bylaw officer just finishing writing up her ticket. A ticket for the Pierce Denno van? <laughs> the Pierce Denno van, yes. <laughs> and she's like, did you just book me? And the bylaw officer's like, yeah. And I'm tearing off the page as, she, as Michelle asks the question. And she just shook her head. She's like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> And that bylaw officer was never seen again after Michelle took it, took him up to the suicide hotspot. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Michelle should have taken the ticket and be like, oh, this just makes everything worse. I just talked myself out of it. <laughs> and then runs back up the hill. Just ham it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you're a bylaw officer, maybe don't write tickets next to a place called Suicide Hill. But yeah, the bylaw officer, she just shook she just shook her head so much. And the reason why we didn't see her is because she was driving around in a van. So she, she just snuck up in a van and started writing tickets. Otherwise, we, we for sure would have seen her because we weren't gone for a long time at all. Because we were even looking out for one. <laughs> what a shame. If I took like two or three less pictures, one less picture actually, we would have made it. Cause I think it would have been about 10 seconds, maybe less. And she wouldn't have had that ticket. Plus, we nearly got into a confrontation in a car park trying to take up the one. There was a car backing out, so we were going to take that spot. And it looked like a car was going to steal the spot from us and have a replay of what happened to Michelle a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so I'm like, oh boy, this could be round two, and I get to witness it all. Get your cameras ready. <laughs> and from one co-host to another, you're meeting up with Ben this week, aren't you? Yeah, probably. Actually, we're going to go out on a pub crawl Saturday night. Um, and two days ago, I met up with Naomi Soward, who was really close to uh, Michelle Pierce Denovan. They've hung out, I think, like three times. And Naomi lives just outside of Brisbane. They actually, actually, the place that Michelle lived in was like only a half an hour away from where Naomi lived. And Naomi played in two of my online Survivor games. So we hung out all afternoon and evening. And then, yeah, then when I go to Melbourne, uh, I leave for there on Thursday. On Saturday, I'm going to meet up with fellow co-host Ben. I'm going to meet up with uh, Bindles um, uh, early next week. And I'm also going to meet up with Kai Armsden, who's who runs her own live Survivor and Big Brother games out of her house in Melbourne. And she's just, she's, her main story was that she made out with Johnny Fairplay once. Um, who hasn't? Who hasn't, exactly. Very long list, very long list. Um, <laughs> and um, fellow 
uh, I guess this would be more in Mario Lanza's community, but uh, Shwin Insidia, Shin Ninja, um, Jinja Ninja. Um, I'm meeting up with him too um, early next week. Actually, I think it, I'm going to meet up with him the same time that I'm meeting up with uh, Bindles. So it's full of full of uh, uh, Survivor Mole Amazing Race meetups this week. I know too many people in Australia, apparently. Yeah, I was thinking that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm, I'm just going to have to settle with, you know, going to the live finale in a week and a half. Yeah, that's your consolation prize. And potentially meeting up with, like, well, I, d- I doubt I'm going to meet any of the contestants, but, you know, I'd quite like to befriend Nikki and Rick Paul and Niels and, you know, all the people I've liked this season. You have to talk to Cena. You have to talk to Cena. <laughs> oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> If I can talk to CNAD, I'll try and get you a message from him. Yes, we have to. Preferably saying, Logan Saunders, fuck you. <laughs> well, he, he fucked himself over in this game. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. He's been doing that since day one. That's not a spoiler. That's something we've seen on a repeated, uh, as a repeating pattern for the past eight weeks. Anyway, we probably should actually start with this episode. Yeah, I want to see some koala bears. So previously, the final six had another chance to earn money. They successfully swapped chests and had an individual dilemma, resulting in a double execution. At the execution, it was Jamie and Rick Paul who fell at the penultimate hurdle, leaving just Niels, Meryl, Sinan, and Sarah. And the episode begins with everyone in disbelief at Jamie and Rick Paul going. I'm in disbelief too. I'm not, because neither of them were suspects. Yeah, that's actually right. We didn't suspect either of them. <laughs> And Meryl thinks that she's close, as she only went for two people in the last test. And Niels is 100% sure that it's not Sarah who is the mole. Hmm. Maybe he's going to be the runner-up in the finale then, or the mole. <laughs> Maybe he's going to be the mole. As, spoilers, I suspect, and so does Bindles. Bindles and I were discussing this whilst you were procrastinating and making me wait, that he also has been going on Niels for the entire season. Everyone's been going for Neil since, like, day one, except for me. Except for you, yeah. I'm, I'm the one... That's why I'm thinking it's too obvious for it to be Neil's if everyone thinks it's Neil's. It's not going to be, like, the 33-33-33 split of last year. Well, I did actually, out of interest, look on the official website right before we started recording this. And at the time of recording, it was 31-32-37. Of the remaining three? Yeah. Hmm. But yet the whole online community seems to be on Neil's. Everyone seems to have ruled out Meryl. Just because she's been so invisible. It's tough to take her, like, if she's the mole, it's like, what? what's her story then? I think all three remaining people have had some sort of clues potentially pointing to them, from what I've seen. But everyone seems to have kind of ruled out Meryl, given that she's, you know, not been in most of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Even this one, she was a like she wasn't really a presence until uh, her blunder. I'm pretty confident to say that it's either Niels or Sarah, and I'm still leaning towards Niels because if I'm right, then I get a full house on the suspect list, and I pretty much win. And I would say, yeah, if I'm like ninety percent sure it's Sarah, and if it's not Sarah, that remaining ten percent is Niels, and if it's Meryl, I'm going to be floored. So am I. I'm fully expecting to be stood in. Um, studying the Vondel Park in 10 days or so, going, oh my god, how wrong was I? It's Meryl. <laughs> we couldn't... We had a podcast of two people and, like, three other people who watch it along with us 
who all couldn't be more wrong. Congratulations, producers. <laughs> I'm fully aiming on being one of those people that Chris tries to talk to at the finale going, who do you, who do you suspect? And then being the cheerleader for Niels and inevitably not winning the champagne. <laughs> and I've, I'm bored of mentioning this in the intro. This puzzle piece is again, it's 90% of the intro again. It's puzzle pieces, Jamie cheering on the rooftop, and the yokers getting open. That's it. Yeah, this was a fairly subdued episode for the four contestants until the exemption challenge. With the funniest moment of the season so far. Just then they're, they openly like, we're just not talking to each other. We're all keeping to ourselves. I'm thinking, that makes for a riveting television. And yeah, I think this is the best episode of the season. Because it was, it had the old mole spirit back this week. It's been a bit flat all season. I, I can say this now that we've actually had a good episode. It's been a bit flat all season. This episode felt more classic mole to me. Yes, absolutely. Last last episode and last episode was more twisty, but it was the most engaging one of the season. And then this one felt very classic mole in terms of the types of challenges you would have. Yeah, they weren't generic challenges, and they were all. I wouldn't say necessarily cultural, but they were all all challenges I can accept being done. They weren't the phone-in challenges that we have had. At least we had motorbikes on the on the Caribbean. At least that is kind of cultural. <laughs> and Niels looks at Sinan in the family photo between the pictures. I always like to point out potential clues in the family photos because they do love hiding them in there. And the episode title is the Dutch verb to throw sand. Which is what Sinan's been trying to do to people's eyes all season. And burn their socks. <laughs> I'm going to make it miserable, but I'm not going to burn socks. I'm going to burn these tokens. <laughs> and they're, and they're going to be unmatched, so we're not going to win this challenge. <laughs> Even though I'm going to try really hard to get in lots of exercise, I'm going to boost my own fitness and make everyone so jealous. Yeah, where did this sports outfit come from? He's wearing like a Nike Nike shirt and everything. Like, man, where did the Sinan just decide he's going to take up jogging in like the most humid part of of Colombia possible? I don't know because he was wearing a sports t-shirt, but then he was just wearing shorts. And this is the first instance that we've got this season of them monkeying with the timeline because we open with the scene of Niels and Sinan talking over the small breakfast table and Sinan saying that Niels will always get tea or coffee for you in the morning. But we know from the challenges that that is from the second day of this episode. They wanted to bookend it with Sinan and Niels and everyone talking, but they pulled a scene out of day 14 because that's how Sinan is dressed in the second challenge. It makes you think maybe there's just no footage to show from day 13. If they're like, everyone kept to themselves, it's like, yeah... I guess then you have no footage to show for an entire day. <laughs> and Sarah comes down and says that Sinan is now ready to start earning money as he's wearing sports clothes, which apparently just constitutes a t-shirt and shorts. <laughs> That's sports clothes by Sinan's standards. Normally he'd wear suspenders. If Sinan isn't ready to earn money, he just comes down in a dressing gown and slippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey guys. Um. Yeah, you're. It, it's going to be all on you today. Yeah, I, I'm feeling like lazy Sinan today. Sorry. Just give me a drone. Sinan can't do this one. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I need to veg. <laughs> and at breakfast, Sinan refuses to tell Niels whether he's the mole or not. And this seems to be a recurring theme through this episode. Niels asks all three of the other people whether they are the mole. Yeah, he turns into a musician slash interrogator. I'm wondering why they've included these scenes. Because it kind of su- suggests to me that Niels might be just being the mole and playing with people here. Well, I mean, he's definitely been successful considering they haven't earned any money. And he's been the one that's earned the most money. <laughs> and yet somehow we might be talking about him being the mole. He'll be the first mole ever to not be the worst performer, purely because the the rest of these people are horrific. Not even the bottom, like, four or five out of the other nine. Like, he's top third. Maybe even number one. The least mole mole ever. Inexplicably, he's he's not the worst performer. <laughs> what the hell? And CNN tells Niels to believe his hazel eyes. So CNN apparently is a big uh, Kelly Clarkson fan. I would have guessed that immediately. Yeah, he, he really digs American Idol. He's a big uh, Brian Dinkelman fan. CNN went into the season asking people to break away. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of each episode, they didn't air this. But, but whenever somebody gets executed and they go back to their hotel, Cena just stands up and says, Seacrest, out! <laughs> and fun fact, Cena is going to be hosting Live with Cena and Kelly next year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm going to make it miserable by constantly talking over Kelly whenever we interview a celebrity. <laughs> I'm going to start mimicking every word she says and all of her mannerisms. I'm going to miss Sinan so much. I need to do a blog just dedicated to... We need to get like 10 different screenshots of Sinan and just have like 10 quotes of ways he sabotages things. I just... I love the idea that Sinan just came into this. (laughs) Just wanting to screw people over. And finally people have been spotting this. Because we've said it from from day dot that Sinan was going to be a star... Of just constantly trying to get back at people for no other reason. <laughs> and I'm very pleased to say that he's one of the many people on these sort of shows that we've seen the potential of. So I'm devastated that he's gone. I was hoping that Sarah would go just for spiteful reasons against you, but. That's what I thought when he messaged me earlier when you're like, Have you seen the episode yet? I'm like, Uh. <laughs> The reason that I asked whether you'd seen the episode is because I knew exactly what the battle was going to be this week and I didn't want to spoil the exemption task for you. <laughs> but hands down, the funniest moment of the season so far was Niels's WTF Meryl reaction. I rewound it so many times. <laughs> I think everyone had a WTF reaction. In fact, Meryl herself had a WTF reaction like 0.2 seconds after she did it. Like, oh yeah, if I pull this pin... Whoever's after me just gets the exemption. So anyway, the first assignment, which takes place on the Playa Mica, and they can earn money by burning money. And there are money counters hanging on poles on the beach, and they must burn pairs of counters to leave only the unique amounts which will combine to make the money that they can win for the pots. And they have half an hour. And the money for the pot is €1,550. And I mention that because they do not get €1,550. 
I like how they leave so much money left over where they're like, oh man, we're going to earn almost 4,000 euros. Our most successful challenge to date. Our pot's going to increase by 50%. Guys, we're not that generous. <laughs> they just don't burn anything at all. And they're like, woohoo, we just earned 20,000 euros in one go. Do you think that this challenge was actually possible? Yes. They were given a pretty big time limit, and that field was not big with torches. Well, we don't know how many there actually were in terms of pairs, but they did horrifically badly, and I know this is making me sound like a broken record now, but they did so badly on this challenge. They came up with, they did, they found the correct method, and then they stopped doing the correct method. Well, given that they were aiming for 1,550 euros, and what they actually got was 6,030 left over, that's impressive. Like they said at the at the beginning, they, they're like, okay, we throw in the matching pairs together. Let's do it the whole way. But then they started throwing it in one by one for the remainder of the challenge. They only did the matching pair toss once or twice. And they figured it out right at the beginning. Yeah, what I didn't understand is there were four fires there that they could have used. They used one of them. And there was four of them, so they just had to divide into two pairs. One goes on one side, one goes on the other side. You meet up in the middle. But they didn't meet me in the middle. <laughs> Why didn't they meet them in the middle? So the the pairs were Meryl and Niels and Sinan and Sarah. Kind of pairs? Yeah, and Sinan and Sarah split up their responsibilities, so Sarah would throw the counters in and Sinan would look for them. That's the most CNN thing ever. He's just going to look for them. He's not going to do the running, except for 10 seconds. He's, he ran a little bit more than Stephen Day from season four of The Amazing Race. You know what I would have done here? The rule was that you, if you took a counter off the pole, you had to throw it in the fire. What I would have done is I would have moved the poles. Right, they probably weren't that stable in the sand. No, I would have picked the poles up, and I would have brought them all near to the fire, and then I would have just matched them up. Yeah. Because as long as as long as long the counter does not leave a pole, you have not technically broken the rules. Right. And this challenge is all very cinematic. It's the sort of challenge they always do of a, a nighttime cinematic challenge in the sea. They love it when they get the opportunity to do it. The most infamous example of this is at the end of the Hong Kong Philippines season where they did the very final task in the sea with bottles basically loads of bottles with messages floating in them and you had to um, you had to work out whether it was a true or false statement a message in a bottle yeah they they did it all at night in El Nido and it was very pretty in El Nido they did that in El Nido I was in El Nido I know you were that's why I mentioned it yeah that would have been sweet Good beach. <laughs> yeah, I think they did the last two or three episodes in that area of the world. Because they did an entire Survivor parody episode as well. Hmm. And how many years ago was that? Because El Nido's only really emerged as a really big tourist spot, I think, like the past six years, I want to say. 2014? Yeah, so that's right when it would have been like the, the place to start going to. Yeah, because 2013 was South Africa, 2014 was Hong Kong, Philippines... 15 was Sri Lanka, 16 was Dominican Republic, 17 was America, 18 was everywhere in Eastern Europe, and then 19's uh, Colombia. Right. And I'm very impressed that I managed to just reel those off. 
and pyromaniacs love this challenge. Yeah. And Niels says that they've not earned enough, to which I say, well noticed. Thanks for actually coming to this game. Yeah, that's they're not a very observing group if they make that statement at Final Four. Like, there's still a chance that they don't crack 10,000 this season. It's very unlikely that they will crack 10,000. Because they've got three cha- they've got three challenges left. Do they have they ever not cracked ten thousand? Well, the lowest we've ever seen was ten thousand five hundred euros. So they they have a really good chance of breaking that record. Yeah, given that they ended this episode in nine thousand three hundred, they very well could avoid topping ten thousand. Yeah, it'll, it'll be close. It'll be really close because what they probably just have the t- just two cha- challenges, right? Three. There'll be three in the finale? Yeah. The way it'll work is there'll be three in the finale, then the final test, and then it looks like they're actually doing the reveal on location this year, so we'll get the cliffhanger of, um, here's the sabotages that the three of you have done, but V is them all. And then Rick will turn to the camera and say, find out next week. Yeah, they could still pull out like two 2,000 euros next week. Depends what sort of challenges there are, because we've still not seen the puzzle piece challenge as well which they seem to be hyping up repeatedly. Yeah, so all they have to do is just A, slant the table with an easy challenge for like one or 2,000 euros, and just keep doing, maybe do that for all three challenges. And then they only have to succeed at like one, or they only they may only have to pass like one challenge just to reach 10,000 euros. It may, it may not be a, a case of, oh, uh, you know, just do collect however much, like 300 euros here out of a possible 1,000. Could just be an easy pass or fail challenge where it's like, pass this, you get 1,000 euros. And in the first challenge, Sinan runs and history is made. Yes. I'm going to make him all miserable by putting in a decent effort. I thoroughly enjoy how the editors have just been constantly ragging on Sinan for a good two or three episodes now. (laughs) Because it's like he's the mole. Especially when the next bit is that Sarah says that she's never seen him try at anything. And the fact that they did a huge pause in Sarah's confessional where she's like, I saw something unprecedented. I saw CNN run. And they had like a 10 second, a 10 second pause between, before her announcement. And they have 30 tokens left at the end, totaling 3,540 euros for the CNN Sarah side and 2,490 for the Niels and Merrill side giving us a total for the challenge of €6,030, and them actually a total for the challenge of €0. <laughs> you doubled the, the pot, guys. Congratulations. <laughs> Can you imagine if they did actually have that as the real answer, if €6,030 <laughs> was the real answer? Everyone would be dissecting what the hidden clue was there. <laughs> it's a complete gimme challenge, and they screwed it up. <laughs> And Meryl says to Niels that she's not the mole. <laughs> yeah. And on day 14, they arrive at the Laguna Grande for the second assignment. And spread out across the field are barrels with money on top of them, totaling 2,000 euros. And they can use a drone to try and find the correct spots and bring the money back within 30 minutes, whilst also avoiding hunters. Yeah, Sinan. Sinan does not go quietly. He does his last big sabotage with the drone. He's like my dad with computers. Even when CNN has a challenge where he stands completely still, he's still the biggest saboteur. Like, seriously, if it wasn't obvious that CNN wasn't the mole from this, 
it's definitely, definitely obvious now, because the mole sees Sinan wanting to not have to run through the field and goes, Sinan, that's a great idea. Because Niels probably knows as mole that Sinan is going to be rubbish at controlling a drone, because he's the old person. <laughs> and what do you know? Yeah, like they're showing him, like, Meryl figures it out in like two seconds. You zoom in here, you move there. It's very quick. But the best bit about that is that Meryl doesn't even take over on the drone after that. They were all begging him to give up the drone to somebody else, and he refused. And he's like, no, the drone's just slow. <laughs> Tomorrow the drone will be wearing a t-shirt and shorts, and will be trying to throw things into the fire. The, the drone should be named the CNN 5000, because it goes about as fast as him. And Niels and Meryl head out to grab the first note, and they decide to split up and have one person distract the hunters, who are on motorbikes, and that's Niels. And we also find out that the hunters can grab and pocket the money themselves. And one of the hunters does as he goes past one of the barrels. Yeah, I'm sure they did that quite often with this group. Especially when Niels decided to just walk all the way back. (laughs) And it looks like there are eight notes on the barrels, all of which are PTN notes, which are 250 euros. At least they get some. Yeah, this wasn't the worst performance they've ever had because... You know, they've had a lot of negative challenges, including last week. But it also wasn't a great performance again. Yeah, because this was a pretty easy challenge overall. Those motorbikes weren't um, too aggressive. Now, I'm interested to to know what the rules were for the motorbikes, whether they just had to tag people to make them drop the money that they had, or whether they could take people out of the game or whatever, because they really didn't do anything. No, they just collected some money. They didn't, they didn't. Did they even tag anybody? I don't think so. No. So again, like, what what was the purpose of the motorbikes then? Because essentially, it's just a challenge of them going to barrels, and CNN's drone roll would have just been pointless. Because it's like, what does he have to keep an eye out for? Just how fast everybody is running? Yeah, they didn't really f- explain this challenge too well. Yeah, in terms of the exact rules of what the motorbikes can or can't do. And what's funny is when Sinan gets executed, he's like, I think I was executed because I couldn't keep a close enough eye on everybody this round. I'm thinking, you were the only one who had a drone where your whole role was to keep an eye on everybody. Like, this was a bad week for Sinan. He couldn't do the drone. He, he could, he could, even when he did run the fire challenge, it ended up being pointless. And then he gets executed uh, this round. This is literally your only job. <laughs> and he blames it as the reason why he was executed. Oh, if only there was a challenge where I could have watched everybody. God damn, my bad luck. <laughs> Do you think that the mole knew that this challenge was coming up and then deliberately didn't sabotage this one at all? I'm thinking so. I'm thinking that maybe if you were Niels, the most you could sabotage is just by walking. Like, that's really the only way to to sabotage it. I mean, this was by far the weakest challenge of the season. Uh, weakest challenge of the episode. Maybe some of the season. Walk to barrels and get money and motorbikes do nothing to you? There's been some some worse challenges, I would say, this season. It's quite difficult to pick them all. Because <laughs> it's a below average season, but as I've said before, and I'll say it again, a bad season of the mole is still better than 99% of things on TV. And I feel bad for bitching about it a little bit, but I'm not sure that this was the worst challenge of the season, but it's definitely the lower half. Yeah. 
Definitely worst challenge of this episode, at least. Yeah. And Niels and Sarah are sent out for the second round, and Sarah grabs the next note and makes it back safely to earn another 250 euros for the pots. Easiest 250 euros to possibly earn. Walk to a spot, then come back. No balance, no nothing. And Niels theorizes that everyone will have 250 euros on it, so just run and find more and don't trust Sinan. Which is about the only mole action you can do is kind of cause a bit of chaos. Which it was actually the best advice. Ignore Sinan. And all three go out on the next round, and Sarah sees one of the notes on the way, and just takes it back anyway. A hunter pockets another note, and Sarah returns safely with her 250 euros, just as Neil spots another and strolls back to mislead the hunters. And they've got two minutes to find the final one that they're looking for, but a hunter has already gotten it. And they take another one with less than a minute to get back, and return just in the nick of time, for a total of 1250 euros of a possible 2000 for this challenge, an episode total of €1,250 Euros out of 3550 and an overall total of €9,300 out of a possible-ish €112,650. And it should be added that inflation goes up and up each year, so with that €10,500 record, just think you add in more inflation years later, and this really is by far the worst showing going into a final episode. And yet this is by far the most watched season of Vestemol ever. I was going to mention this towards the end, but of the eight episodes that have aired so far, only two of them have not exceeded a 40% market share in live TV. It means Vestemol is going to be around for a very long time. Yeah, if you don't understand what that means, that means that of the people who were watching TV in the Netherlands on Saturday evening at the time of Vestemol, 40% of them were watching Vestemol or more. I believe it was about 43% this week. To compare that to last season, which was an infinitely better season, only one episode, which was the finale, actually exceeded 40%. Hmm. Why season 19? Why peak was season 19? I have no idea, but it's constantly on the up in terms of trends. Maybe because of Neil's. Neil's music. I looked this up in the week when the trend began, basically, and... You can definitely see a spike with this season, but it's been going up the past couple of years as well. And Sarah is the final person who is asked whether she is the mole by Niels, and he says that he is to her. And the team board a boat down the river to their final assignment of the episode. And the mole smiles because they know another dilemma is coming. And they hike through the jungle, and they see a random board there. And Sarah says that Kaplunk is her thing. (laughs) And Rick greets them with two yokers in his hands, one in either hand, and he says that one of them contains the exemption for the finale. And one by one they will take out pins on the board to make the yoker fall. Whoever makes it fall last wins it, and can choose to either open it or play it on the next test. Yeah, I think they're going to open it. I think they're going to go for a 50-50 shot at being in the finale rather than a one-point bonus on a 20-question quiz. Yeah. Let's be perfectly clear here. Not a single person who is playing the mole, is not going to open this yoker. And production obviously wanted them to open this yoker. Can you imagine the devastation if, it w- if there was no exemption in it? Oh, it would have been so funny. It would have been such an anticlimax. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like minus 500 euros. I think that both yokers probably contained exemptions. I bet if they had more money in the pot, the risk would have been like, either you sacrifice one or two thousand euros... Or there's the exemption to get into the finale. Because that's something that the American version of the mole would always do in a situation like this. 
Well, I saw a theory, I think it was from Bindles, saying that a better idea would have been to say to the winner, if you don't open this yoker, we will put 3,000 euros into the pot. If you do open it, then you earn nothing for the pot. Because that would have been an actual dilemma. Mm-hmm. I think so, I agree. They needed to add an extra layer to it, because just watching people take out pins wasn't the most riveting television. I, in fact, I pretty much just tuned out for like the five minutes until Meryl m- made her mistake. <laughs> Meryl made this episode, because I know that we've been a bit harsh on her being purple Meryl, let's be honest. But oh my god, everything was worth it for what she did. It was so funny. Like, as soon as she takes out the pen, we're all like, is she a genius, or is it exactly as it appears to be where just whoever's next gets this uh, gets this exemption? Yeah, so basically everyone just keeps taking out pins that won't make the yoker fall unless, until someone's forced to. However, with about 20 pins to go, Meryl accidentally takes the wrong pin out and lets Niels win. And this is where it gets funny, because Niels walks over to the board, pulls out the final pin, turns to Meryl and basically just goes... What the fuck, Meryl? Yeah, not even grateful, not a thank you, it's... Just shrugs. Yeah, what the... WTF? (laughs) Yeah. But his reaction is just so delightfully funny. (laughs) Because even if he is the mole, that's the sort of challenge where you can't really play it as a mole, you have to play it as a player. And just the look of confusion that goes over his face where he's like, did you just accidentally screw everything up? Did you just let me probably win this season if I'm not the mole? Because the thing here is that if she was clever, and if she suspected Niels, then it's a good idea to let him win, because then you still have a two out of three chance of, you know, getting through the next test. Yeah, and then she comes off as a genius. However, if you don't suspect Niels and you did it because you're a thicko, you're an idiot. And it could have horrifically backfired on her, because if you did the maths and worked it out, Meryl should have been the one to pull the final pin and should have won that exemption. Oh yeah, that's that's what the how many pins were left, she was guaranteed to win it? Yeah, she was guaranteed to win it if it went down to the last pin. See, what would have capped this episode to make it pretty much perfect is if Meryl was executed. I thought that. I, I was convinced that Meryl was going to be going purely because of the mistake that she made. It would have been the perfect end to her season of... Yeah, Meryl, we're not going to show you much at all. You're going to mess up in the Final Four episode, and then you're just going to get binned off. Yeah, just get completely just invisible edit, followed by humiliation. It's like everyone's worst fear when they uh, finish filming of a reality show. Where it's like the one and only thing people will remember you by. But instead, CNN goes home. And Sarah says that in this season, all yokers go to Neil's. And he promises to open it up in front of everyone. And it's fair to say that Meryl is devastated. Yeah. Imagine that, though. She gets executed. It's like, she goes from guaranteeing herself an exemption just based on where she is in the order, and instead gets executed at Final Four, as opposed to winning the game. That makes for a much better storyline. Instead, it's, oh, we lose CNN before the finale. Goddamn, now they have a shot at making more money. (laughs) I mean, we made 6,000 euros in the final episode without CNN. Hate of thunk. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone can run, everyone can use technology... It's all good. And seeing as though it's a special occasion, Neil showers to open his yoker, and it contains the exemption for the finale. I'm surprised how happy everybody was for him. Like, if I was not the mole, and I didn't suspect Neil's, I'd be thinking, 50-50 shot I get executed tonight. That is rough. 
Yes. Which very well could have been the case here if if, uh, if Niels isn't the mole. It could have been CNN versus Mural, the heavyweight championship of Final Four showdowns. CNN, the I'm going to make everyone miserable versus Mural who? Huh? <laughs> Let's pin this episode. And Niels says that he has a small disadvantage in the fact that he won't see his screen now and won't know whether he's right. It's like a that's like the worst thing to say to everybody after you just guaranteed yourself a 50-50 shot at winning this game where he's it's like a rich person saying, "Oh man, how you know what the worst part about this is? I don't know how I'm going to spend all this money. I know I'm going to waste some of it. But I'm going to spend it on a lot of alcohol and fancy cars. You guys don't have that problem. I have all this water and you guys have to walk an hour to a well and then boil and purify the water afterwards." Man, I would. you guys would hate to be in my shoes. And on the morning of day 15, it is time for the test. 20 questions on the identity and actions of the mole. Whoever knows least is the final person to go home before the finale. And Sarah says that CNN is still suspicious as he doesn't do anything. And she took a big gamble at the last test and has learnt something. And she's staying on that one person. Meryl says that Sarah's transformation is amazing. She started off nervous, maybe because she's in a scary role. Sinan says that Meryl is very suspicious, although she tries. He's unsure about her sincerity. And Niels doesn't even take his exemption out of the wooden casing. Maybe he didn't even play it. Oh no, he played it. He just he didn't even try to hide how deliriously happy he was. He just put it straight on the table and then walked away. Starts skipping, then you see like Dorothy and the Tin Man and the Cowardly Lion all link arms with him. And Sarah gets a green screen and joins Niels in the finale, leaving just Sinan and Meryl in danger. And then Sinan gets the red screen, making Meryl the third finalist. And Meryl's in the finale. Don't know a damn thing about her, but she's in the finale. Meryl who? Who? Gee? Hmm? Egg? And for the first time all season, there are more women left in the game than men. It looked like it was going to be an all-male final five, and then things sure switched around quickly. Sinan says that he was so sure of his mole, he knows where he went wrong, and he didn't keep an eye on everyone in the last assignments. Despite the fact that that was literally his role. <laughs> this is literally what you were given the job to do, Sinan. I have to post that in Reddit. That's just... Oh, Sinan was a goldmine this episode. Sinan is a goldmine all season. He's probably one of my favourite male contestants in a long time. I think he super. I think this episode solidifies him to, um, trumping uh, Rick Paul. Sorry, Rick Paul, but it's tough to compete with Rick at CNN. I know I'm on record as loving Nikki, but it's close between her and CNN now for me. <laughs> CNN is just so completely and utterly oblivious that it's delightful to see. I don't know where they found him. And I know we were bitching about him in week one, but I'm devastated that he went and that we don't get a full season of CNN. Unfortunately, not all dreams can come true. I mean, imagine at the tree where Rick does the reveal next week of Rick reeling off all the stuff that CNN does to make him look molish, like being lazy, not putting any effort in. <laughs> Everyone not bringing else's list is just three or four tasks and CNN has the whole dossier. CNN gets a roast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they invite out Jeffrey Ross. (laughs) If there was a listening challenge, if there was a music challenge, I would trust Marley Madeline to do it more than CNN. (laughs) 
if I had to rely on somebody to use a drone, I would trust <laughs> I would trust Stevie Wonder more than CNN. I think it's fair to say that after this episode, this season is CNN cancelled. You should tweet those jokes to CNN. <laughs> CNN's not actually responded to anything from us, which is a real surprise, given how much love we've shown him. And regardless of the fact that I love CNN, obviously, this is basically a worst-case scenario for me, because I knew it wasn't CNN, and I can see it being the other three. It's still Niels, though, let's be honest, but... No, it's Sarah. It's Sarah. It's Sarah, and, and, and Niels is the winner. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if it's any of these three who are the mole. And it's the first season in a long while where a lot of people are feeling that way. Because currently Meryl is on 31%, Niels is on 32%, Sarah's on 37% on the suspicions of the official Dutch public poll. Hmm. So Sarah has a slight lead. Because she's the mole. Because she's not the mole. She's the mole and Niels is the winner and Meryl has another blunder. So now the fun question that I get to ask each week. Who's on your suspect list? Oh wait, we'll change it slightly. Mole, winner, loser, who is it? Uh, Sarah's the mole, Niels is the winner, and Meryl is executed. And my order is, Niels is the mole, Sarah's the winner, Meryl loses. So we're just swapping one thing. Yep, as always. So next week, the final three miss the boat and Sarah jumps in, in a completely undignified moment. Everyone DJs a wedding and the final three found out their fate on location, under a desolate tree by the look of things. Just a random tree, no significance. This just adds fuel to the fire of was Columbia an alternate location, because they haven't even thought of a great cinematic location for the reveal, it's just under a random tree. And there's so many choices in Columbia. Why didn't they do it on top of the volcano where Amazing Race loves to go to? Or just anywhere, on top of something. Maybe on top of uh, Nikki's head? That would be higher elevation. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention, as I did last week, a little bit about Belgium Mole, because I'm very excited that it's back. Annoyingly for me, it's back two weeks earlier than I was expecting. Because I mentioned in last week's episode that they were doing some sort of reveal on Thursday at 4pm local time. They did do a reveal. They revealed officially that it's Vietnam, even though we know. They revealed the fact that the season starts without a mole which is going to be interesting. They're doing a, a task in the first episode to determine who the mole's going to be and then doing the rest of the season in Vietnam. And that it premieres on the 10th of March. Now, normally I wouldn't be that bothered, but the problem with the 10th of March is that I'm going to still be in Holland. <laughs> I don't fly home until the 11th of March because I'm in Holland for the Dutch mole finale on the 9th of March. What an ironic reason. Mm. Which means basically that we're going to have to try and record pretty sharpish that week because we've got two episodes to do yeah i leave for indonesia from australia on march 10th i think but interestingly something you may not have spotted is the fact that apparently all 10 candidate names are hidden in the reveal video in graffiti in morse code in braille everywhere basically that should be the final challenge for the dutch mole contestants what work out the 10 candidate names for belgium mole yes and they get 10 weeks to do it. So our good friend Gilles da Costa is returning on the 10th of March. I'm very excited because Vietnam is going to be a really cool location. I was just a bit surprised that it's going to be on the 10th of March. And our big bear is gone. Yep. Sadly, this show is seen and cancelled. Yeah. No one's like the shares are just going to go. You said they were at over 40%. They're going to be at like 10% for the finale. Yep. No one wants to watch it without Sinan. 
I'm going to make everyone miserable by getting myself executed at Final Four, and then the show gets cancelled because of low ratings in the finale. Blindside. <laughs> I intentionally took out the first, I took out the pins in a sequence that made sure I would be executed. It was my plan all along to sacrifice myself from getting 10,000 euros. I totally knew who the mole was. See, the thing is, I know even with these jokes, we're not going to stop talking about CNN next week. We're 100% going to be just doing what would Sinan do if he was here jokes. It's better than probably talking about whatever Meryl ends up doing, let's be honest. What, nothing? Yes. Her version of nothing is a very different version of nothing from uh, Sinan. So have we got anything else you want to say? Nope. I thought as much. So, thank you for listening to this Fears to Mole podcast. You can join us next week for the penultimate episode of Mole Hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or on Twitter pages, MD Armstrong for me, and Logs of Quacky for Logan. See you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next of flavoring. Yeah. You have great needs. <laughs>